Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, everyone knows about the famous line from Jack Nicholson when he said, you can't handle the truth. Well, for some people, especially unbelievers, that's closer to the truth than you even know. But for believers, we're supposed to know the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And if we are in a relationship with Jesus as our Savior, we are supposed to know the truth. If we're supposed to know the truth, that means we're supposed to be able to handle the truth. Amen. Oh, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Praise God. Our guest today has written a book titled, You Can Handle the Truth, Making Sense of the Bible in Three Simple Steps. Pastor Chad Mansbridge has been a pastor from down under Bayside, Australia for 20 years. He and his wife, Jay, planted their church at the ripe old age of 23, and praise God, they're still at it. Chad's known for his ability to communicate God's timeless truth with clarity, simplicity, and I might add a whole lot of fun besides. Amen. He leaves his listeners informed, edified, and thoroughly engaged by his teachings. I've been looking forward to this interview because I know you are going to get a lot out of it as well. Help me welcome to the program, Pastor Chad Mansbridge. Pastor, thank you for taking the time to join us today. I do appreciate it. Well, Robert, g'day, 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 and especially to all you listeners out there, it's a great privilege to be with you as well. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with, other than that brief introduction I gave, can you tell us in your own words, who is Chad Mansbridge? Well, what an incredibly deep question. No, 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 <laughs> I can get to that. Absolutely. Listen, my basic things are, first and foremost, I'm a son uh, of the Most High God. I mean, that is my eternal destiny and uh, my eternal identity. I'm a son uh, who gets the incredible privilege of walking in an intimate relationship with God, uh, to have the ability to call him father or dad, uh, thanks to the work of Jesus Christ. And that is the, the greatest honor of my life and the only guarantee of eternal life. So I think the first way I'll describe myself is as a son. Uh, I'm also a husband. My wife, Jay, and I have been married for over 20 years, I think 22, 23 years uh, this year, something like that. Amen. I'm a father of four uh, biological children. Uh, the eldest is 20. Uh, the youngest is just six. So we have got four kids in that age bracket. And uh, I'm a pastor, as you said, for 20 years. My wife and I planted or planted a church where pioneered the church that we lead uh, 20 years ago. And as you said, we were just 23 years of age into our hometown. We still lead that church today. In fact, this year we are celebrating our 20th birthday as a church. We've got a website out called 20 in 22.com 20 and 22.com celebrating our 20th birthday in the year 2022 so uh church is called bayside church we're in south australia and uh and i have the great privilege of not only leading a group of people but also uh teaching uh, god's word here uh on the internet as we're doing today and also pre-covid certainly traveling around the world uh, quite freely before yeah. the uh, pandemic kicked in and uh sharing god's word so primarily i think my 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 grace gift 
if you're happy to use that term, would be more of the teacher uh, element, the teacher bent. Although I do come from what many people would call a Pentecostal persuasion. So I'm very much uh, open uh, for the gifts of the, the Holy Spirit, the miraculous workings of God, uh, but I'm very much also a firm believer in preaching, uh, reading and teaching the scriptures as God's word. And certainly from my tradition, the Pentecostal tradition, uh, my personal opinion is there is a significant need uh, to have uh, recognized and reputed teachers in the church that won't just uh, quote the occasional verse here and there mm -hmm. to make a point and to rile up a crowd, okay? And there might be place for that. There is place for passionate preaching, okay? <laughs> I'm not the kind that would that would uh, dab a hanky on my head, okay? I'm not really like that. We don't do much of that in Australia. But, um, but, uh, but certainly opening the Scriptures, expositing, expounding, eternal truth, timeless truth in a timely manner, uh, I certainly believe the Pentecostal church, if any, uh, you know, spectrum of the church <laughs> needed uh, to to embrace the Holy Scriptures uh, with great fervor, then uh, that it is uh, certainly the camp that I am from. And so I have no apologies to say I'm a teacher of God's eternal word, and uh, I really enjoy that. I come alive when I'm teaching the Scripture. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's where my grace really rests on me, I think. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah, I'm uh, like-minded persuasion there, brother. Amen. Glory to God. You know, I, I was right after I was born again, January 25th, 1992, I was seeking, you know, and we had just, we were processing moving from Texas to Louisiana, Louisiana to Texas and, you know, new house, new environment, new TV channels and all that. And I'm, you know, newly born again. I don't been in the faith about six months and I'm channel surfing on Sunday morning, trying to you know, who am I? You know, who can I watch? You know, I got a. I was a member of a church yet. And I, I was like, who can I watch? And I come across this guy on television named Kenneth Copeland. You know, and uh, I started. Wow, that's really interesting. And then the end of the program came. You know, okay, here here's the pitch for the offering. You know, all this stuff. And as he is giving his little spiel for the offering, he said, "Now, if you're just sitting there wondering, oh, there he goes again, wanting money. That's all I want. I don't need your money. Just keep it." I'm like, whoa, I've never heard a preacher say that before. <laughs> you know? So I, I said, this guy's kind of interesting. I started following him and ended up, I, I went to Jerry Savelle Ministries Bible School. And that's where I was ordained through was, was his uh, program. And, and so, like I said, I'm, I'm right there with you, brother. <laughs> Glory to God. So well, I knew there was a connection there, you know? <laughs> Well, listen, we, we serve a, a multifaceted God and uh, and it takes a multifaceted community to demonstrate his nature to the earth. And yeah. so it should be no surprise that the church has different streams and different sure. flavors and different yep. emphases and, and different personalities and persuasions. And that's a, yep. that's a fine thing. And certainly within the uh, Pentecostal or spirit-filled sort of stream, whatever term you want to use, right. uh, the, the gentleman that you mentioned and, and, and that sort of wing of what many would call the word of faith mm -hmm. uh, type of camp, certainly them, you know, when I've watched Christian television, uh, you can always count on the word of faith guys opening their Bible and reading from the scripture, and yeah, certainly yeah. when we had we had Christian television for quite a few years, and and uh, you couldn't always guarantee that, you know. <laughs> you right, to, right, it, yeah. It, it tended to be a, a third of the people were asking for money, a third of the people had their eschatology charts out, mm. and uh, the other the other third were preaching yeah. with very few actually teaching and opening the scriptures, and and certainly exactly. some of the names you mentioned, uh, Joyce Meyer, I think, would be another great example of just yeah. someone that can open the Bible uh, and not afraid 
to get to the scriptures and uh, but still be people of the spirit at the same time. So I think that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Amen. Praise God. And that, we're not putting down any other face or, you know, you know, Baptists or whatever. No, no, no. Yeah, it, I my the way I explain it when I'm sharing about this type of thing about different denominations and all that, I, I tell them, look, we're all building the church here in the earth. The church is the body of Christ. There's different members, different parts, different functions for each part. As I put it, to, like if we're designing a church building, right? You're not going to hire a plumber to do the roofing. You're not going to hire a roofer to frame it all out. You're not going to hire the framers to come pour concrete or do the electrician's job. You have all these different functions that have to come together and work together to build a solid building. And that's what we you know. If, if you're not comfortable in a Baptist church, maybe you're not a Baptist called person. You know, you're more of a, instead of being, you know, if everything they're teaching sounds weird to you, if you're in a Pentecostal church and everything that sound, they sound, they're talking about it sounds weird to you, maybe you're a plumber in a roofer's church. You just need to find a plumber's church and get in it, you know, and then you're in the body of Christ in where you're supposed to be. So we're not putting anybody else down, but that's the way I view it. We're all working together to build the body of Christ. Amen. The church on the earth. I love that. And, you know, when we when we planted or pioneered the church in our city, of course, there were other churches already here. And uh, God gave me the picture of Nehemiah. It's, um, uh, Nehemiah is the story towards the end of the Old Testament. It's one of the last uh, what we'd call a narrative book uh, in the Old Testament that sort of leads up to the 400 years before the uh, New Testament starts. And one of the things Nehemiah was famous for was leading the uh, the construction of the wall around Jerusalem after the, the war had, had, had brought it down. And uh, there's this just wonderful few chapters in there where it describes every clan or every tribe of, of people that was represented there had a certain part of the wall that they were called to build. And, and that family that Amen. family there, they, they built from that gate to that corner. And then another family built from that corner to that archway. And then that family built from that archway to that gate. And you had a designated area that you were responsible for. And I I felt like for us, you know, and and there's probably pastors and church leaders listening to this podcast as well. You've got a section of the wall in your city, the section of God's kingdom that God has called you to build. And, uh, you know, at times, sometimes in, in the heart of unity, uh, there's a call to ecumenicalism where we have to always do everything together and be mm-hmm. part of one another's business. And sometimes that can actually uh, be distracting. You know, <laughs> if you've got a designated part of the wall that God has called you to build, then give yourself to that section of the wall and know that as you build your section, you are still standing shoulder to shoulder with those who are doing part as well. And we can cheer one another on without even necessarily having to dabble in one another's walls, you know. Yeah, uh, we exactly, can still be exactly. For one another uh, and know that we're building together because, boy, oh, boy, the kingdom of God is much bigger than one church, one denomination, yeah. one city. And certainly in the world of internet now, we know we are uh, open to see what God is doing in all parts of the world at all times of the day and night. Uh, and right. so, um, yeah. Let's just Amen. play our part. Amen. Well, why do you feel that this was the book, You Can Handle the Truth, that the Lord would have you write for the day and time in which we currently live? Well, look, over 20 years of, of pastoring, I've had many privileges and many, many challenges. But as I said, I think I've developed uh, my great, uh, a couple of great preaching passions. And uh, my first great preaching passion is 
Jesus, basically. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that I, works. Yeah, I think <laughs> I kind of think it's a rule. You need to say that, you know. But it, but it's true. It's it's, it's true. My, my greatest preaching passion is Jesus and the work of the gospel of grace and what Christ has accomplished for us. And and uh, by the time your listeners uh, hear this, it'll be a, a couple of weeks after Easter. We're sort of uh, recording this at the moment on the east, coming up to the Easter weekend. And what a great period between Easter and Pentecost. A, a great sort of a sign and symbol and memory of what. Jesus has done the coming of the Holy Spirit seven yeah. weeks after that, etc. So Amen. I love preaching on the work of Christ. But the second great preaching pal- uh, passion that I've developed is helping people to understand the Bible for themselves. Uh, God has given us His eternal Word. He has given uh, us a book. In fact, the Bible is many books. It's a it's a it's a library, basically. It's a collection of scrolls. The word Biblia literally means collection of scrolls. So uh, God has given us a library of books, 66 books we call the Bible, and he wants us to read it. He wants us to understand it. He wants us to draw near to him through the truth that it uh, provides and reveals, and he wants us to prosper through yeah. applying its truth in our life and to our community uh, more broadly. He wants his word to have its desired effect in our life. And one of my great preaching passions after preaching Jesus, the Word of God Himself, is helping people to handle the scriptures on yeah. their own, to teaching Amen. people, in a sense, to teach themselves how to read the Bible. You see, Ephesians 4 talks about uh, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And Paul there says, listen, their job is not just to do ministry, but their job is to equip everyday, Amen. ordinary saints. Yeah. for them to do the ministry. And so yeah. as a Bible teacher, my job, I feel, is not just to teach the Scripture, but it's to teach people to teach themselves. It's to teach people how to handle the Bible for themselves. And so your question is, why did I write this book? Well, because Christians need to know that they can handle the word of truth. The Bible sometimes is complicated. I grant that. The Bible sometimes can be a little confusing. There are parts and portions, at least, that are difficult sometimes to understand, but it is not out of your grasp. And you can, you do have what it takes to read and understand and apply the scriptures to your personal life. And in a day and an age where information is fed to us fast and free, we can we hold in our hands, we scroll through with our thumb almost endless information in all sorts of social media and, and other formats. We can think that because we have information at our fingertips, we know something. Mm-hmm. But I think right, as we all right. know, one of the things that has happened in our modern world is that these things have robbed our attention or given us attention deficit disorder where we, we don't truly concentrate and eat the meat yeah. of true information and uh, revelation really is what I'm what I'm saying there mm-hmm. that can really benefit us. And so to encourage people in this day and age to slow down, read the Bible properly, seek to understand its meaning, and walk with the Holy Spirit as he uh, gives you wisdom in how to apply yeah. it to your life. My goodness, Robert, mate, that is an eternal message that every yeah. generation can yeah. hear. But at yeah. this point in time, I just feel like as a 43-year-old pastor with 20 years' experience that there are young uh, ministers in the Lord, young Christians, but also uh, young, uh, younger men and women than me who want to be pastors and lead churches and preach God's Word and lead youth groups and young adults ministries and you name it. There's mm-hmm. anyone who's younger than me, and I just think... I've got a 
privilege as a young person, okay, 43, if I can still call myself that, and, uh, but to encourage that younger generation, listen, you can handle the truth. There are yeah. timeless principles. There are timeless lessons that have been learned from generations before you. Uh, but my job as a modern author to reach a modern audience was to package that eternal timeless truth and tools and techniques on reading the Bible, the fancy word that you and your listeners may be acquainted with is the word hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is basically how we go about interpreting or any type of literature, really, but specifically for the Bible. How do we go about understanding it? How do we go about uh, applying it properly to our life and discerning when even it is applicable and when it may not be at all? Yeah. Uh, and so this this whole practice is handling the word of truth. And I want to play my part in helping the next generation to be biblically literate and biblically responsive people. And I feel in this day and age that is highly needed. Oh, yeah, absolutely needful. Glory to God. You know, I know you believe every believer should be able to read, understand, implement scriptures from the Bible, but how does your book, this book, help the believer to do this? Well, that's fantastic. Well, as you said at the start, the title of the book is You Can handle the truth. You know, it's it's not a Jack Nicholson playoff. <laughs> jokes, <laughs> jokes aside, but it actually I was showing comes... my age there, I guess. So. <laughs> well, I may be showing my age here because it actually comes from uh, the NIV, the 1984 NIV rendering of a verse when Paul writes to Timothy. Now, Timothy's a young apprentice, basically, a young disciple of Paul's, a young preacher, if you like. So, you know, growing up as a young pastor in my 20s, I always looked, I read Timothy. I felt like this book's for me, you know, these two letters, letters. But in both of those books, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul makes the same point. 1 Timothy 1, he says, listen, the law, Timothy, is good, but you need to use it properly. The law is good speaking probably of the Old Testament or at least the Pentateuch, at least the first five books of the Bible, the law is good, but you need to use it properly, which implies that there's a proper and an improper way to handle the Scriptures. Well, in 2 Timothy 2, he expounds on that a little more, and he says, listen, I want you to be a worker who needs not be ashamed because you correctly handle the word of truth, correctly handle the word of truth. There is a correct way and an incorrect way to handle the Bible. And the encouragement of my book right there in the title is you can do it, okay? You can handle the truth. Well, your question, Robert, is how do you do that? Well, that's in the subtitle. The subtitle simply says making sense of the Bible in three simple steps. And so essentially I'm a three-step preacher, okay? I'm a three-point preacher. Baptists love me, mate, okay, because I'm a three-point preacher. And so so I think there's nothing better than a three, nothing better than a three-point. Sermon. So, so if I can find three points, I'll do it any day of the week. Well, there's three very simple steps in handling the scripture well. And the way I frame them in my book is that I frame them around three questions. I think one of the best things a student of anything can do is to learn to ask good questions. And don't be afraid when you approach the scripture to ask questions of the text. It's okay to ask questions of God, all right? It's okay to ask questions of his word. Well, these three questions represent three simple steps to handle the Bible, and they are simply these. Number one, what does it say? What does it say? I mean, what a great place to start, right? Okay, you've got to know what the Bible says. Exactly. So what does it say? The second question is, well, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I know what it says. What does it say? But what does it mean? And the third question is, well, what does it matter? 
Mm. What does it matter? What does it matter to you? What does it matter to me? What does it matter if that's what the Bible says? And what if it, what does it matter if that's what the Bible means? And these three simple steps, these three, uh, the fancy term for this is the process of inductive reasoning, which is a bit of a technical term. I won't go into it too much. Uh, it's a bit of a footnote in my book. Okay? I try to keep all the technical terms right at the end notes, okay, in the, in the back to keep things as simple as possible. But these three steps, these three questions basically set the framework for the entire book. In the first part of the book, we look at answering the question, what does the Bible say? Well, guess what, Robert? To answer that question, what do you have to do? You have to read, read it, it. Okay. You got, you got to actually <laughs> read it. So for the first part of the book, in that first step, I speak about how to read the Bible. Okay. Various approaches about the position of your heart, about reading the Bible in community, about being intentional in reading the Bible, about reading the Bible with humility, being willing to learn. And so I mentioned some key things that every Bible reader, I believe, should bring to their Bible reading. We talk about different methods and heart attitudes, et cetera, et cetera. What does the Bible say? Well, you've got to read it, but you've also got to read it well. So there are the first few chapters. That's what we deal with in step one. In step two, we go into, well, now that I know what the Bible says, what does it mean? That's the second question. What does that mean? Because it's one thing to know what someone says. And if you're those of us who are married or in serious relationships, you know, you can hear what Amen. someone says. But what they meant may have been a completely different thing. I mean, how many arguments are like, honey, I know that's what I said, but it's not what I meant, okay? How could you misunderstand me? Or the, or well, the, the one with the wife, you know, something is wrong. You could sense it. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> okay, have a good day. <laughs> You're in trouble. No, that's, that's not what she meant, Robert. That's not what she meant. <laughs> And listen, this, this second step is where we seek understanding of the meaning of the text. What does this mean? And, and honestly, this is where we kind of get back to where we were talking before, why at times there are different uh, expressions of the church, why there are different belief systems in the church. It's because of this question. Uh, Christians or Protestant Christians, at least around the world, all agree what the Bible says. Uh, there's not too much debate about that. We've got these 66 books uh, that we believe are inerrant and, and, and God-inspired. And while we might argue about tra uh, translations, which of course I talk about in that part of the book, at the end of the day, we mostly agree on what the Bible says. But we have huge variety and disagreement in what that actually means. And this occurred to me growing up as a Pentecostal kid. My parents uh, in, high, in my high school years sent me on a a Christian youth camp, and it had Christians there from all different types of persuasions, Baptists and Presbyterians and, and uh, you, know, you name it, Methodists and all, all different types of expressions. And I met some kids there that believed that the Holy Spirit did not give gifts to his church today. I believe I heard from some kids there, and this is the first for me, that speaking in tongues was not just gone away with when the Bible was finished <laughs> being written, but speaking the tongues was actually today of the devil. Well, I tell you, for a Pentecostal kid that grew up hearing people sing and praying tongues every single, that was news to me. I didn't know that. <laughs> I've never, this was, what are you saying? And we realized as we studied together, we all suddenly dived into 1 Corinthians, you know, 12, 13, 14, and we had the same Bible. We had the very same translation even. But we came to different conclusions onto what that text said. We agreed, right. on, and sorry, what it meant, what it meant. We agreed on what it said. What does it say? Well, this is what it says. It's quite plain what it says. But what does that 
mean? And that's where we disagree often. And this is where uh, there's another technical term called, you your hearers might be familiar with, called exegesis. It's Mm -hmm. about discovering what the author meant when he wrote those words. And uh, one of the worst things you can do, if you're leading a Bible study, uh, this is a common mistake that Bible study leaders make, they they read a passage of scripture and they, they go around the circle and they say, okay, now that we've read that scripture, what does it mean to you? No, that's Amen. not the question you're supposed Amen. to ask. Amen. It doesn't yeah. matter what it meant to you. The question is, what does it mean? Full stop. What does it mean? And we find meaning by what the author was intending to say, not what it means to you. And so I often joke, uh, you know, with my church, I, uh, I might hold up on my mobile phone and where I, I use a traffic app on my mobile phone, like Google Maps or something like that. You have them in America as well. And uh, if you type in your destination and the road that you choose, you're looking to go down is painted red on your screen, you know what that says. The, the screen says the road is red. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, you know, an accountant might say, well, red means that the road must be in financial deficit because that's what red means to me, okay? Red to me means yeah. financial deficit. You're like, no. A romantic says, well, red means that road must be in love because that's what red means to me, you know? Uh, to, uh, to a bureaucrat, they might say, well, yeah. well, red red means only red cars are allowed to drive on it today. Only red cars are no. None of that is true. The road has not literally been painted red overnight. The screen says the road is red, but what does it mean? Well, to answer that question, you need to get in the head of the author. When the authors put that program together, what did they want it to mean? And, of course, if you've ever used a traffic app before, you know that the authors, when they paint a road red, they mean that there is heavy or congested traffic at the time. That is their Meaning it Amen. doesn't matter. Amen. Yeah. Does Amen. not matter That's good. what red means to you. The question is, what does it mean to the author? What is he intending to communicate? And once you know what he means by red, okay, there is congested traffic at that time when you are trying to drive down that road, then and only then you can go to the third step and say, well, what does it matter? If there's congested traffic today, what does it matter to me? What do I do about that? Do I take a detour? Do I stop my journey? Do I phone a friend and say I'm going to be half an hour late? Do I take a different road? Do I sit down and put a podcast on because I know I'm going to be sitting here for an hour in traffic? What do I do with that information? Well, that's the third step. What does it say? What does it mean? And the third step is what does it matter? What does it matter to me? And as we read literature and as we read the Bible, these three questions, these three simple steps is how we'll handle God's word well. We sit down and we ask ourselves, what does the Bible say? Well, we need to read it. What does that mean? Well, we need to reason our way through it with our thoughts. We need to reflect on what we're saying, allow the Holy Spirit to show us the meaning. Maybe we need to research what other people have said about that scripture, to learn from other people within the Christian community. What does it mean? And thirdly, what does it matter? What do I do with it? Now I know what it says. What does it say? What does it mean? And what does it matter? And I feel, Robert, that if we, if Christians approach the Bible with that simple three-step structure and filled in the gaps in between, and of course, that's what the book does chapter after chapter, we would have a far more Bible literate and Bible passionate people who handle God's word well. Amen. Amen. That, that's good. 
Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Pastor Chad Mansbridge, author of the great book, You Can Handle the Truth, Making Sense of the Bible in Three Simple Steps. Every believer should be able to explain why they're a believer, and this book by Chad Mansbridge will help you do just that. Drop down in the show notes, order your copy of You Can Handle the Truth, Making Sense of the Bible in Three Simple Steps right now, today, while you're thinking about it. And be sure to come back for the exciting conclusion of this two-part interview in the next episode with Pastor Chan Mansbridge. Till then, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.